0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Team Preview Edition. I'm your host, Ian and Time to talk some Carolina Panthers. Not exactly coming off the best season, but you know what? We've all had down years in life. Why can't the Panthers have one? Joining me, as always, none other than Dwayne the Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, I said you were great. Dwayne the Great last time. Now you're back to the Rock. I kind of prefer that.
1: (sighs) Well, at least like I I wasn't like to average Dwayne, the average, like, so I'll,
0: I'll I'll take the rock over the average (laughs) Dwayne mediocre McFarland. No, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. As always on these team previews, we're going to run through some of the coaching changes, then look at the player personnel moves before going deep into the quarterback, running back wide receiver and tight end positions. Thank you guys as always for tuning in. Let's get after it. Head coach Matt rule is back for another go round. I mean, yeah, when you get the guy six years, $60 million and he's had like a cup of coffee in the NFL. You got to try to make it look like you didn't make the worst decision in recent. No, nah, I guess we had the Urban Meyer hire. So not the worst coaching decision in recent memory. Not looking particularly great though at the moment. Luckily, maybe luckily, they brought in Ben McAdoo to run the offense. McAdoo spent 2020 as the Jaguars quarterback coach. Most ex- recent experience calling plays at the professional level. Uh, was back as the offensive coordinator and later head coach of the Giants from 2014 to 2017. So Dwayne, when we look at these Giants years. We saw, as you know, I love going back to our Madden playbook analogy, you know, kind of like a pass balanced offense here with actually pretty good pace. That was the part that surprised me. So in terms of their non-garbage time pass play rates from 2014 and 2017, they were 22nd, 17th, 25th, and 11th. So maybe a little bit more average to run balance, but the pace was actually something that surprised me in a good way. 13th, 4th, first and third in situation neutral pace per the fine folks at Football Outsiders. So I think a lot of this, you know, was maybe going hand in hand with Eli Manning. We see sometimes those veteran quarterbacks really have more control over the offense than the actual offensive coordinator or play caller. And obviously the drop off from Eli to either Sam Donald or Matt Corral cannot be overstated enough. But at a minimum, Dwayne, we have seen McAdoo be willing to move at a pretty fast pace on offense, and at least for one year, employ a top 12 unit in a, being a pass-happy group.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, you know the coaching thing you know, for this team is like kind of just secondary to me. Like, yeah. And I, I love looking at the coaching stuff. It's like, what the hell's going to happen with quarterback? But yes, with McAdoo, um, I think there are some bright spots. I think people immediately, when they heard about McAdoo, it was just kind of like, okay, what are they doing? Why are we just retreading this same... You know, old coach, but McAdoo in his time was trying to do some cool things that really wasn't, you know, the in vogue, right, you know, thing to be doing um, in the league whenever he first took over for the Giants, including just how often he used 11 personnel. He's willing to use a lot of receivers. You talked about him being up tempo, um, being willing, you know, to your point, you know, being more of a pass balance probably is about where you would put it you know, but in games, you know, if he needed to be pass heavy, he would, Um, but not, not an offense that has a lot of motion and different things like that. So there's some other things he still needs to integrate into his game. You can't just come out there these days and be static, especially if you've got quarterback challenges, you know, with Sam Darnold, or if you're going to start a rookie in Matt Corral, like you need to do as much as you can ahead of the snap to try to tip off what's going to happen with the quarterback. And also what that does immediately in those, in those first, you know, in that first millisecond post snap, you know, just giving them the easiest read that you can, getting your playmakers like DJ Moore involved. I'm hoping that we see more of that because really McAdoo's offense before was more kind of like what we've seen with Kellen Moore with Dallas. Um, more of a, you know, hey Dak You've got three good weapons, just drop back and read it, which isn't bad. Like, if you've got three really good um, options and you've got three really good weapon, you know, a really good quarterback, like that can work. But with a guy like Sam Darnold or a guy like Matt Corral, like I think you've got to get a little bit more creative. You've got to do some of the things that some of the other uh, schemers in the league, like the Shanahans, and even what we saw, you know, Brian DeBull do for Josh Allen that kind of just unlocked him and really got him on a heater. Like, I want to see McAdoo do some of those things. But overall, I think it's neutral to a slight upgrade you know for the Panthers offense
0: moving to McAdoo. some of the player moves this offseason quarterback Cam Newton remains an unrestricted free agent one of my favorite moments of last year was when he got resigned he comes in you know scores a touchdown immediately yells down back into the camera throws a touchdown the next drive Panthers upset the Cardinals and then basically everything went south. Just wasn't good as a passer, and ultimately, 33 years of age, very well could have started his final game in the NFL. So as a longtime Cam stand, disappointing. We'll see what happens the rest of his career. Over at running back, Amir Abdullah signed with the Raiders. Sneaky significant, man. Like, for everyone that's really been in the weeds of fantasy football like we have over the years, you know that Amir Abdullah first was really a thorn in the side of Alexander Madison as a handcuff, and then last year really was taken over for Chuba Hubbard down the stretch. Now, a lot of that was because Abdullah was the pass down back and Panthers were finding themselves in one trailing game script after another. But either way, like removing him from the picture, it helps Hubbard and Deontay Foreman, the next player that we're going to talk about, who signed a one-year, $2 million contract with the Panthers. That includes 940000 guaranteed. Foreman did a pretty good middle-class man's impression of Derrick Henry last year for the Titans. Does seem to be fully recovered coming off that early career Achilles tear might just be cmc's new preferred handcuff more on that in a bit at wide receiver Punt returner Alex Erickson signed with Washington, and they replaced him with Andre Roberts. And the only other significant move was signing Richard Higgins to a one-year, $1.1 million deal, presumably to compete with Brandon Zilstra. Maybe, just maybe, Terrence Marshall as well. Also made a splash in the draft of sorts by taking Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral at the end of the third round. Plenty of concerns about Corral in terms of his ability to run a pro-style offense, but that value compared to where, you know, some people thought teams might be reaching in the first or even second, certainly hard to be hitting on so any of these moves really stick out to you Dwayne to me the foreman and kind of Abdullah signings or the the release of Abdullah and the si- decision to, si- to, to sign foreman my goodness I'm sorry people <laughs> to me that sticks out the most
1: yeah that's the big one I mean I know a couple of years ago we we had some folks in the community and, and even you know I think he had shown flashes with Higgins you know coming over at receiver but I think at this point like you know it's just it's kind of it's just a dude. You know, and I mean, when you really look at, you know, the Panthers, they've kind of backed themselves into this situation. It's not like they have a lot of draft capital. It's not like they had a lot of ability to move around and make trades. Um, they kind of had to, you know, just make a few small tweaks here and there. But yeah, I think Foreman is definitely the biggest move, just because we know with CMC, not to say that because you've been injured, you're always going to be injured. But we've seen that be a role, right, that's come through with Mike Davis two years ago. And then last year, obviously, it didn't necessarily come down to one guy, but we did see Chuba Hubbard for a little stretch get some of the work until, to your point, Abdullah started working in more. So, yeah, I think Foreman, you know, is really the big move there. Um, and, you know, I don't know if the offense is going to change that much. You know, I think we've got to figure out, you know, some of the pecking orders, but, you know, some of it's pretty well
0: solved. Let's talk some quarterback. We got Sam Darnold, Matt Corral, XFL Hall of Famer, PJ Walker in the quarterback room there. Looks like Sam Darnold will get the first crack at the same time. It does seem to be a fairly open competition between him and Matt Corral at this point. Going into last year, uh, Dwayne, I love having you here. Like I used to just be doing these solo episodes, like previewing. And sometimes, you know, I just go on these rants and I wouldn't even know if... I felt like I was getting caught up in the moment sometimes. Sam Darnold was one of those guys because I couldn't wrap my mind around him being such a breakout candidate when it wasn't like he was average with the Jets. like He was terrible, and the people that thought an improved surrounding cast and coaching staff could take him from terrible to like legitimately good in one year, that was the part I rejected. Maybe from terrible to average or below average, but this idea that he'd be this breakout guy, hey, it looked okay for the first three, four weeks of the year. And I saw plenty of people get their victory laps in. Kind of fell down short after that. And by kind of, I mean, holy shit, he was bad for the rest of the entire regular season. He did get concussed and then hurt his shoulder in week nine against the Patriots. At the same time, though, we have plenty of evidence before then to see that not much changed with Darnold. It's like that Scooby Doo meme where they, you know, they rip off the mask of the criminal. Like Panthers Sam Darnold, still very much Jets Sam Darnold. Ferdy. 41st among 44 quarterbacks in PFF passing grade, 40th in QB rating, 26th in big-time throw rate, 35th in turnover-worthy play rate, 36th in yards per attempt, 28th in just a completion rate. I want to say two nice things about him. One, they had a fourth and full, 4th and 4 from their own end zone against the Vikings, like 4th and ball game. He threw a seed down the middle to, I believe, Ian Thomas. It was like one of the best throws of the season. Like, he has some crazy arm talent sometimes, and that one throw was fantastic. That's all I got there. And then he can also run the ball well sometimes. Just do that 5 rushing touchdowns in the first 4 weeks of the year. I'm pretty sure he was leading the entire NFL in rushing touchdowns for the first 4 weeks. The problem, Dwayne, is it's one throw, and we can't you know, rely on a quarterback because of one good throw. He made an entire freaking season. And then as far as the rushing stuff, like, yeah, he does seem to have a little bit of a nose for the end zone. Uh, Even with the Jets, like, I still barely believe that, like, 40-yard touchdown he had against the Broncos happened. That was very athletic, and the fact Darnold pulled that off, it continues to surprise me to this day. But when you look at Darnold last year, man, he still wasn't even – putting up big numbers in terms of his ability to run the ball. I think only in three times last year, he even reached 20 rushing yards per game. So there's no rushing floor. We've seen the passing at this point. And like, I don't think McAdoo's is going to fix this. Is there any reason to believe Dwayne that 25 year old Sam Donald is going to be anything other than what we've seen the last five years?
1: I just don't see how at this point. I mean, just below average in everything, you know, to bad, you know, across the board, you know, his his completion percentage, you know, has been 58, 62, 60, and 60%. Like the league average is 65%. Yards per attempt, 6.9, 6.9, 6.1, 6.2. NFL average is 7.3. You know, touchdowns per attempt, the NFL average is 4.8%. He's never even gotten to average. 4.3% is his highest. Last year he was at 2.2% you know, interceptions per attempt, 2.2% is the average. He's been over that every year of his career. So, I mean, it just kind of backs up some of the things you were talking about, you know, with some of the other underlying, you know, data points. You know, it you know PFF passing grade has gone down from a 64.3 to a 52.7, then last year a 54.4. I mean, those are really bad grades. So I just, I don't see how it's going to happen, you know, for Sam Darnold at this point. You know, he did salvage, you know, a few fantasy points because he, you know, ended up with the five rushing touchdowns You know, last season where in his career he's he's had the one, the two, and two. So, I mean, he basically, you know, more than doubled what he had seen as far as a career high before. Um, And has never played 16 games, you know, 13, 13, 12, and 12. So, I mean, man, like, talk about really pinning your hopes on someone like Corral. Like, this is the team that I think... You know, I don't know if they can get anything done because what we talked about earlier—it's not like they have a ton of resources. I don't have like their future draft capital like pulled up in front of me right now. But do they really want to make the same kind of mistake they made with Darnold, like going after Baker? You know, or are they so gun shy after what happened with Darnold? Because I do think that Baker's better than Sam Darnold, right? So, I mean, I feel like this is the team if they were going to make a move for Garoppolo or make a move for Baker Mayfield, like Carolina has to be it. I just don't know if they can get it done, and I don't know if they have the stomach
0: to make that kind of deal. This is my point, not to, you know, not to harp on the same shit with Baker, but like Baker's best chance at playing a high level of football in 2022 is on the Browns. If he comes to Carolina, he's going to get killed behind that offensive line. He doesn't have a mark enough, better receiving weapons to make a big difference. Like, man, If there's any way they can just avoid starting Jacoby Brissett for 17 games, I would really encourage them to do that. Nothing against Jacoby. He's a great backup quarterback, but he's exactly that, a backup quarterback. In regards to Matt Corral, PFF wrote the following about him in our 2022 NFL Draft Guide. Where he wins, distributing, Corral is at his best when playing point guard, distributing the ball quickly and swiftly to all levels of the field. NFL offensive coordinators will take advantage of his timing and accuracy in the RPO and quick passing game. What's his role? Playbook opener. Corral has serious tools that any offensive coordinator would love to try and mold. He also needs some serious molding, though. He's a project who needs to learn behind a veteran early in his career where he can improve touch. Corral was hardly asked to run drop back passing concepts at Ole Miss. He's exceptional on simple rhythm concepts and RPOs, but when asked to expand his vision and identity where to go with the ball, his play suffers. That last point, Dwayne, is what, what was interesting to me hearing, you know, the, the quarterback experts of the world and evaluating these guys because Corral, it seemed like he did everything he was asked to do very well, but because some guys like Ritter were actually using more pro style concepts in their offense, even if they weren't great at it, it seems like Corral, even though he wasn't asked to do much of it, is being penalized a lot for the things that, again, he wasn't even asked to do. And some of the research that Kevin Cole did, I think one of the bigger supporters of Matt Corral, did show just how efficient he was at everything he was asked to do he does have that fantasy friendly rushing floor we're looking for 506 rushing yards and four touchdowns in 2020 and then 614 11 scores in 2021 the dude ran for 195 yards against Tennessee like there is a legit enough rushing floor here to think that he has the tools to be a potential better fantasy quarterback than real life but man you know, Darnold wasn't able to do this in this offense. This is PFF's reigning 31st-ranked offensive line. Not saying they won't make a step forward, but again, I want to be careful taking a unit that was 31st and assuming they're going to be anything better than maybe below average. So we got DJ Moore. That's about it. I mean, I hope McCaffrey's healthy, but I'm not I don't even know if McCaffrey is necessarily like a quarterback's best friend, man. Like you could argue that a passing game shouldn't be, you know, such a focus through your running back. So with Matt Corral, I don't hate the prospect, but when I'm hearing that he's going to need time to develop, it doesn't look like he's going to have that. And there is a big question mark about how he's going to transition into more of a pro style offense. I just don't think we can get behind him in fantasy this year. Maybe if he's balling out, yeah, okay, we'll look at the waiver wire. As we talked about with Desmond Ritter, like we're not writing off any of these quarterbacks yet. But in terms of probabilities, in terms of just trying to put our chips on the right player, I do not think either neither Darnold nor Corral are those guys,
1: pal. Yeah, I, I don't really think there's anything to add there. The, the only thing I'll say, like, I feel like Corral, like, had he actually weighed more you know I think some teams were just scared off by the weight you know and worrying you know can he take the beating you know of an NFL quarterback which obviously isn't like what the beating of an NFL quarterback used to be um, so I mean maybe if his weight is what pushed him down and like these natural traits can all like come to the surface he could eventually challenge Darnold this year but it's not something that you know I'm I'm betting on um, at the end of the day like Darnold's probably going to play bad enough that Corral's going to have to play either way whether he's ready or not you know, if you know Carolina can't get something else done at quarterback, but yeah, I don't think there's anything to do from a fantasy perspective here as far as rostering anyone, um, you know, from this quarterback room.
0: Christian McCaffrey, the all-time leader in PPR points per game among every running back to ever play a snap in the NFL. Shout out Pro Football Reference for having that data at our disposal. Yeah, has only played 10 games since Matt Roll took over as Panthers head coach. Here are his fantasy finishes in the eight games where he was not injured significantly early. RB two, RB five, RB two, R B one, R B three, RB fifteen, when he played forty-nine percent of the snaps in a freaking just got killed by the Patriots. Like terrible game. And he finished as the RB fifteen comes back RB4 and RB3. Like, he's playing a different position, Dwayne. We can talk about, hey, he's getting injured. They're going to dial back his workload. Like, we kind of saw them do it at the end of the year, at least for a snap or two. In week 10, after that Patriots game, they played him on 59% of the offensive snaps. He only had 13 carries. He also caught 10 freaking passes for 66 yards. Like, McCaffrey is playing, like, a different game than everyone else in regards to fantasy football because he's the only running back at this stage especially with the Kamara suspension stuff going on, who has a chance to legitimately catch 100 passes. As we've talked about, one target historically is equal to about 2.7 carries in terms of uh, expected fantasy points. So, my God, if we get more of an Austin Eckler role, where they just focus using him more as a receiver, that's great. I don't think it's even going to impact his ceiling that much. Maybe it does, but his ceiling's already ahead of any running back in NFL history. We can afford to go down a little bit and still be more than fine. Will he stay healthy? He suffered five injuries since 2020. In September, it was a right high ankle sprain. He missed six games. In November, sprained AC joint, missed four games. December, strained thigh, missed another four games. 2021, in September, he strained his hamstring. He missed five games. In November, he sprained his ankle. He missed five games. I'm not going to sit here and just assume he's going to get it hurt more so than anyone else, Dwayne. He's healthy right now. Dr. Evan Porras noted that the best 2022 comp for McCaffrey as it relates to health is Austin Eckler, who was coming off a previous hamstring injury. Porras basically said the high ankle and AC injuries were more so incidental and should not follow him into the future. So for me, Dwayne McCaffrey, like he's still Christian McCaffrey. And I think everyone that says that, oh, I'm not drafting him this year. He burned me in the past. They're probably not actually doing drafts or making ranks right now because you're going to be awfully hard-pressed to rank anyone other than Jonathan Taylor ahead of him. I'm fine putting Cup, Jefferson, Chase there. But once I get to pick 105 and McCaffrey's on the board, I'm taking him.
1: Yeah, it's just really tough. You know, um, I I broke it down a little bit differently than you, but kind of the same things, you know, looking at the utilization last year. So in the games where he saw at least just 50% of the snaps because he had games where he got knocked out, he scored (laughs) 27.7, 24.7, 26.1, and 24.9 PPR points. Like, so you can try as hard as you want, you know, to suppress Christian McCaffrey and to put the injury propaganda out there. And yes, he has been hurt, but like, here's the problem with it the upside is clearly there. Everything is risk-reward, right? So the thing is with McCaffrey, if if you want to take the swing and, and let's say that there is some additional risk from injury, which we've actually had different doctors say that there's really not like this additional risk for him at this point. It's not like he's like a 30-year-old running back. He's not. Um, but the reward can be so high because he can be a 25-point-per-game type player, even in a partial role. Um, he got to... 89% or more of the snaps in two of those games. And the other two games, he was 59% and 71%. And to your point, he actually put up more in one of those games, 26.1, than the one where he had 70% of the snaps, 24.7. So, and, and man, his target share in those four games, 27% of the targets went to Christian McCaffrey. So, so he's playing a
0: different position than the other running backs because of that target share.
1: Yeah, it's insane. It really is insane. It's on a complete. It's, it's just on a different level. So yeah, with McCaffrey, um, and if you're listening to this and you haven't been drafting like, and you don't think you're gonna take McCaffrey or you don't want to worry about him because you think he's gonna be injured, you most unless you pull like a first three pick, you don't have to worry about it because he'll be gone. He'll be gone whenever you pick. Um, the furthest I've I saw CMC fall to five once, but I've, I've also gotten him seen at six. Him. I've, I've seen him go one. It might have been six, and maybe it was you. I can't remember, but I've seen him go one one. I've seen him go one, two. Seen him go one, three. Typically, he's a first three pick off the off the board right now on underdog. He's a top three pick typically right now over on the FFPC. So just get ready. And it doesn't mean you have to take him, but again, the upside really is there. The problem with passing on McCaffrey is even as much as we love Justin Jefferson and as much as we may love Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup to put up another, you know, to do what he did last year, like it's so much harder for him to do it than for McCaffrey, right? Justin Jefferson, yeah, we love him, but he's never come anywhere close to being a 23, 25 point per game player, right? As much as we like him and we know that eventually he's going to have a blow, Justin Jefferson will get one season in his career where he'll probably do that, you know, and he'll probably have several where he's around 20, just over 20. You know, he's a really good player, but again, getting the pass catching back like McCaffrey, like, man, it's just, it's so hard. I did my top 150 today. I I put CMC two. Like I've got, I've got Jonathan Taylor one. I've got CMC two. Then I've got Cooper, uh, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Austin Eckler. That's my top six. Um, And it's just so hard because when you go back and you start looking at what Christian McCaffrey has done, you know, points per game. And and, you know, we can we share all the cool underlying data points and all that. But at the the, at the end of the day, just like listen to his points per game over his career. Second year, twenty four points per game third year 29.3 fantasy points per game uh fourth season 30.1 that's insane <laughs> that's nuts that is nuts and then last year to be out there you know in those games where he had at least the 50% and I already gave you those numbers so like we're talking about a guy that If he doesn't get hurt, like it's going to take a miracle basically for him to not be a twenty-three to twenty-five point per game player. Here's the thing: if he's healthy all season, he's going to outscore Jonathan Taylor. Like it's not—I don't—I don't don't even know if it'll be close. Like he will be the
0: number one fantasy football asset. If they had just done anything to help the quarterback or done more for the offensive line, which I I understand, they used the number. Seven, number six overall pick to get their tackle. That's great. They signed uh, Austin Corbett in free agency, Bradley Bozeman in free agency. They should be better. But again, going from 31st up there, and I do think offensive line is overrated. And we've seen McCaffrey be on terrible offense and put up these numbers, but it just would be a lot nicer if we had – I don't know, maybe not the single worst surrounding cast or at least a bottom 5 surrounding cast. It's just what around. you said
1: though, Ian, because he's playing a different position, man. Like yeah. he he circumvents all of that because of how good he is in the receiving game. He sure does. It's I, <laughs> it's like I don't want to rank him there. Like I've tried I've tried to suppress Christian McCaffrey. I can't. Like it's I can't. I can't do it.
0: I don't you know? think it's possible. I don't think a rational, objective person can rank him out of the top five in terms of just overall. And, it and, might, and here's the thing. It might I be number you, two. You
1: you can't, if he's healthy, you can't argue that any other player has a higher ceiling. Yeah. It's, if they're all five guys we have in our top five are healthy. Like how many times does Christian McCaffrey finish first out as, of a hundred simulations? Probably
0: a hundred, yeah. man. As much as I want to dismiss the potential for guys to get injured he is older than these guys, save for cup, but plays a different position. And 26, guy, though. Not nuts. Guys that get injured do, you know, I think there is a trend of them probably getting injured a little more frequently again. I don't want to I'm just saying, man, like, why not put him straight up ahead of Jonathan Taylor then? Clearly something held you back from doing that. It held me back from doing that too. I just I, well. part st- part
1: of that is just yeah. because like if 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 you're gonna draft multiple times, like if you want Jonathan Taylor, you have to use the one-one. Or you don't yeah. get in, right? So basically You know, that's the way I'm looking at JT. The tiebreaker goes to ADP. Um, But, like, man, on upside. Here's what I will say. If I, for some reason, let's say, like, you and I went in together and we signed up, and we may do this. We signed up for, say, 12 Football Guys Players Championship drafts over at FFPC. And let's say we went ahead and drew our draft position today. And all of a sudden, like, we're so excited it all comes back. And it's like, you guys drew the number one pick 12 times. We wouldn't take Jonathan Taylor 12 times. No we would split that up. Like the next, the guy I bet you that we would roster the most after Jonathan Taylor in that spot would be CMC.
0: I don't think you're wrong. Dwayne. I don't think, Look, man, I didn't, I just,
1: I was doing the research on him and I had already done some, but it's just like, it's these numbers are bonkers, you know? And again, I'm like you, I'm like, well, he's probably going to be more likely to get injured. But then I look at the three years before 16, 16 and 16 games. And he was basically a, you know, in those years, talk about a workload, uh, 91%, 93% 91%, 93% of the snaps in year two and year three. I mean, the dude never left the field, you know, and was doing that. So, um, you know, you look at his rushing attempts, you know, over the course, you know, of his career, he's sitting at 781. We tack on, you know, the receptions. And You may already have something handy waiting to, to, to say about this, Ian, but 358 receptions, Jesus. you know, so it's not, he's not anywhere near the 1500 touch mark, even if we want to include his receptions and he's only going to be 26. I mean the guy was 21 when he was a rookie. He came in really young. So it's like I think he's a year or two away from just feeling like we're going to be so worried about his touches or the age cliff. Um and and again, the upside is just clearly there. Um you know with his points per game. So I mean, I will quit like fawning all over, you know, CMC. <laughs> I probably didn't give him enough credit early in the offseason and now I'm just staring at this stuff and I'm like I don't I don't I don't know how you suppress CMC. Can't hold it back.
0: I said c m c over Jonathan Taylor back in March, but again just I know they, you did when they didn't do anything, not a single thing to help him out, like just like Chicago basically i I do think that the days of him getting ninety percent snaps are over, yeah, but I with agree. the amount of receptions it might not matter. I guess the one argument, man, like look we're talking he's the r b two for sure like we're not putting anyone ahead of him running back wise, but when we look at McCaffrey against chase against Jefferson against Cup like do you think McCaffrey's potential outcomes are more volatile enough to just take the top five wide receiver? It's just hard because he has so much cushion built
1: in. Like, I mean, yeah. we talked about these point per games, you know, 29 and 30. And then, you know, looking at last year, you know, how he's basically getting 25 in the games he's healthy so let's say he takes a, a a downturn and that turns into 22. That's still more than what most receivers can do. That's still more than what you can project most receivers to do in a season. It, it's just really hard as a receiver to get to those numbers, which is why you take the chance, you know, on CMC. Look, I did a I did a Football Guys Players Championship draft last week, and I took Cooper Cup at 2 and let CMC go at 3. And so, I mean, I'm fine. I'm fine doing it. Um
0: but, it's you know, a tier. It's a tier. I think with those receivers and McCaffrey.
1: Yeah, I'm fine doing it and mixing it in. If you're worried about McCaffrey's, you know, injuries, I, I think it's fine, you know, to mix them in. But I think, you know, it, you just can't dismiss like what the guy's done. So I also will have plenty of teams where I just go CMC it too. In
0: 2019, if McCaffrey had zero rush attempts, he would have been the PPR <laughs> RB12. See, like he's he, stupid. He might catch more passes than those wide receivers. <laughs> Oh, I it, think he it will. Could happen. I, I think he's
1: I think you know it's he and DJ Moore. Like that's it. Like you know, I and mean, we like Robbie. Robbie. Robbie's Robbie's a good NFL player. Um, half, half like, point
0: standard, are we taking the wide receivers?
1: Oh man, I, I think it's just I think in any format with any how many format. points CMC scores, it's 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 tough. You might I mean you might argue No, I don't think you can, man, to be honest. Like, I mean, because I'm also just looking at his receiving yards. I mean, he's had a 1,000-yard receiving season. He's had an 875-yard receiving season. Even if they cut his rushing workload in half, like you mentioned, and he rushes for 600 yards, and he gets, you know, 900 to 1,000 yards receiving, and he scores 10 touchdowns, you know, and 80 catches, like, it's just going to be so hard, like, to outscore CMC.
0: God, I just hope he's the same guy. I, I don't know why he wouldn't be the same guy coming back from these injuries. Again, it's not we're not talking about even an ACL or Achilles situation. Just some ankle sprains and a hamstring strain here and there. But just seeing him in his heyday in 2018-2019, man, the volume was great. And he was just moving at like a different speed. Just the things he can do as a route runner and him flipping over the Jaguar dude into the end zone like...
1: Listen to this. Last year, yards per route run two point nine one. Obviously, on a smaller sample, but that's a career record. Targets per route run thirty four freaking percent. That's a career record. Yards per target eight point six. Career record. Yards per reception nine point three. Career high. And the guys have had an eight eight and an eight seven already on his resume. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, they're just what the underlings don't show any other sort of decline other than the fact that he missed snaps. Like his efficiency. You know, is still there. Like, if you look at his explosive rush rate, you know how we talk about Zeke has kind of been zapped and some of these other guys. 15% of his plays went for 10 yards or more on the ground. The NFL average is 10.5. The guy's 4.5% above the league average in explosive rush rate. So, I mean, look, everything you look at, Miss tackles, forced, you know, he's he's right at the league average, explosive rush rate, he's above, yards after contact, he's actually above the league average. It's, I, I, I can't find a hole in the guy's game, to be honest.
0: And that's, you know, Dwayne, unless you just want to say, uh, yeah, he'll get hurt and just end the uh, discussion. That's at, And that you point. know
1: what? That's why people do it. I think because once you look at this, you realize <laughs> there's no other way to argue this other than to just dismiss it with injury. The, the problem right. is his upside. Again, his upside is so huge that if you, you know, we talk a lot and I know it's a high pick. You're picking, you know, like in the top five picks to take CMC. But we talk all the time about, well, if I don't take this guy, am I really going to regret it? And even as high yeah. as he's going, you could regret it. CMC could be so good, even at pick two, that it could be enough like just to help that person win the whole league, even though you're spending a high pick on him because of how good he can be. So it's just, you know, and it's tough to say that about players that go in the top three where you're like, you know, Oh, if I don't have him, like I could have this alternate, that's one spot behind him, you know, and I'm going to regret not having CMC. I think, you know, there is a, there's a case that you could really regret not having
0: CMC. By week two, last year, everyone was like, all right, whoever got McCaffrey is going to win your fantasy league. <laughs> and then he got hurt and everyone came out of the weeds and was able to take that not well-earned victory lap, but okay. I think we've, uh, you know, I know we've done ta- we, I, there's not much else on Carolina. So, <laughs> All right. That's good. No. Okay. Uh, looking at behind McCaffrey, let's say you do think McCaffrey's going to get hurt. I do think Deontay Foreman is going to be the late round target to have. Uh, I was looking around trying to find some notes on, you know, Panthers OTAs, or if there just been some words on, you know, if they already consider Foreman to be ahead of Chuba Hubbard. And best thing I could find was that, you know, they were describing him as a bigger and more physical complement to McCaffrey and Hubbard. So I guess that's the catch here. I don't think this is a situation where if McCaffrey gets hurt, we're going to see Foreman completely take over. But he is a 233-pound bowling ball that I think is just objectively the better football player than Chuba Hubbard, particularly as a rusher. You can pick any metric from last year, yards per carry, uh, missed tackles for per carry, yards after contact per carry. You're going to see Foreman was a superior guy. And that contract, $2 bucks. it's not a lot, but... You know, we saw James Conner get similar money last year and proceeded to get a pretty damn good workload for himself. So Hubbard, again, he lost out to Amir Abdullah, who wasn't even on the team to start the season last year. I just am not confident enough in Chuba to go with him as the preferred handcuff. It's not a ringing endorsement of Deontay Foreman, but Dwayne, if we can potentially get Christian McCaffrey's handcuff in round 16 or later, yeah, I'm fine throwing a dart at that.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think, you know, Foreman's the guy to have. Um, and my guess is he would he would pick up the majority of the rushing work. I think it's just up to Hubbard if he could be the passing down back or not. And right. I think it's kind of on him. And if he can't, I think that does mean that Foreman could potentially be a 65 to 70% snap guy if they don't gain confidence, you know, in Chuba. Um Chuba had the 19% targets per route run last year, which is is not bad. Like it's it's not great for a running back, but I mean, looking at, you know, um you know, an RB one, like he's just under that. An RB one, you know, over the last three years has averaged twenty percent targets per route run. He was right at nineteen percent, which is above what you see from like your RB threes or your average NFL running back. So he was above average, like as far as his targets per route run, yards per route run, nothing like you know McCaffrey, like a point nine eight, whereas McCaffrey's over a two. Um, so I mean, I think that's probably the, like the way I'm, you know, it's, that's the way I'm leaning right now with my projections is kind of having Hubbard if. Hubbard is really, you know, there to to help spell McCaffrey a little bit. Maybe as a receiver, Foreman's there to really spell him more as a rusher. If CMC goes down and all things work out perfect for both guys, it's probably, you know, 50 to 60% to Foreman, 20 30% to Hubbard, and then, like, somebody else, like, working in, you know, would be my guess.
0: Foreman RB59 and Hassan Haskins at RB61 have been two of my favorite guys to draft at the end because, hey, you're looking at Henry McCaffrey handcuffs that are essentially free at the end of your drafts. If you yourself want to go take advantage of that, head on over to Underdog Fantasy. Their best ball mania tournament has $10 million in total prize money. And the best part is you just draft your fantasy football team and that's it. No waivers, no trades, no in season management. Underdog gives you your best score each week of the season and the highest scores at the end of the year when the champion. Best Ball Mania last year drafted in June, so there's no time like the present to join Underdog and take your shot at a million dollar draft. If you do not already have an account, please sign up and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code PFF. And also, if you play just 10 of those dollars using promo code PFF, you get a free PFF subscription. So, what are you waiting for? Head on over to underdogfancy.com or the App Store, play $10 with code PFF, and draft your best Ball Mania team today. Also want to give a shout out to our friends over at FanDraft. Are you holding an in-person fantasy football draft party this year? Then you need to check out FanDraft.com. FanDraft is a modern, digitalized version of those old sticker boards we used to use that are drafts. However, unlike those outdated sticker boards, FanDraft makes your fantasy draft feel like the actual NFL draft with features such as custom logos, draft clock, team walk-up songs, a streaming news ticker, and much more. FanDraft works by running your league's draft from the FanDraft.com website and then exporting your display onto a large screen TV for a league to enjoy. It can also be used fully online any number of your league owners can join the draft remotely so sign up for a free trial account at fandraft.com when you're ready to order the pro account make sure you use promo code pff to save 50 percent off your purchase that's fandraft.com with code pff we have one more exciting player to talk about to an extent dj moore I think he is the best pick for this generation's Allen Robinson, who was last generation's Andre Johnson of just unfortunately having to deal with one shitty quarterback after the other. Shout out Terry McLaurin also on this unfortunate list, but dude, it really is just so brutal for DJ Moore. And it even goes back to college, man, the things he did at Maryland, like one of the big talking points about DJ coming out was the fact he put up great numbers as a senior at Maryland, despite playing with, I think, four different quarterbacks. So here's the list, Uh, not safe for work, obviously, but in college, DJ Moore, his quarterbacks, Perry Hills, Caleb Rowe, Shane Cockerill, Dax Garman, Tyler Pigromi, Max Bortenslager, Ryan Brand, Kasem Hill. I've legitimately never heard of any of those guys. I consider myself like I will put a shitty Big Ten game on ahead of like the good Big 12 game because I'm just a Midwestern boy. I have not heard of those guys. <laughs> NFL. Injured Cam Newton, Taylor Heineke, Kyle Allen, Garrett Gilbert, Will Greer, Teddy Bridgewater, PJ Walker, and Sam Darnold. Like Teddy Bridgewater is the best quarterback that DJ Moore has ever gotten to play with. That is how bad he's been running. Unfortunately, I don't not I'm not sure that a rookie year version of Matt Corral is essentially gonna help that. Dwayne, the underlying stuff is great. Moore has still commanded targets. He still managed to put up great yards per route run numbers. I mean, just looking at that specifically, he still emerged as a top 25 receiver. Since he came to the NFL, he's 20th in yards per route run. He's 23rd in targets per route run, 24th in PFF receiving grade. The problem is, man, it's just these quarterbacks. Last year, nobody had more incomplete targets that were deemed the quarterback's fault than DJ Moore. He was also my number two most unlucky. The, the best season, basically, with Teddy Bridgewater, in my analysis, only Jerry Judy was more unlucky than DJ Moore that year in terms of what they were working with uh, in terms of a target perspective. So the question, Dwayne, I think we all agree that DJ Moore is a top 20, hell, maybe even a top 12 receiver, like if he had a good quarterback, but he doesn't. And then we start looking at his production. 2018, he was the wide receiver 54 in PPR points per game. 2019, he was wide receiver 17. 2020, wide receiver 28. And last year, wide receiver 27. Why is it going to be different this year? And why should we prioritize more ahead of a bunch of other guys in this muddled wide receiver two range?
1: It's just the, I mean, you're betting on his underlying profile, but yeah i mean it's it's a struggle because of the quarterbacks like he he's a wide receiver one like his underlying data points say he's a wide receiver one um but to your point like but that's why he doesn't rank as a wide receiver one you know we've got him below that so to me it's like he's just a guy that ends up in limbo right you can never make him a wide receiver one because the situation's not good enough it's hard to push him all the way down to wide receiver three territory because he's a badass you know (laughs) so he's just stuck like between those two things um and so it's it's a tough spot, like, to be for him. Like, I mean, overall, like, if you look at, you know, the um, points per game averages, like, since 2011 for wide receivers 13 through 24, like, he's still scoring in those ranges. Like, if we're just benchmarking it by, you know, what wide receiver 14 or 15 or 16 or 17 score, like, he's he's been where he's consistent, like he's right around a 19 to 21 kind of guy, a 19 to 22, which I think about where he goes this year. I mean, I wish we had, you know, better news, you know, to share with people that you know something was going to change for him as far as his quarterback. And and maybe they will make a move and may, you know, even if they just got Baker, even if they just got Jimmy G, it's like, I would probably be excited enough about, you know, dj Moore just to bump him up again I that's guess how one sad thing, this is man we're praying it is for like Baker. it is sad <laughs> it is sad but i think the one thing um you know with Moore, like to give him credit is that despite how terrible his quarterbacks have been like he still managed to be that mid-range to low end you know wide receiver too if if you're looking at you know the benchmark averages over time yeah he the, the problem is you don't get you're not getting a guy where you probably see the ceiling right, of a 22-point season because he just doesn't have the offense to really support that.
0: Here's the interesting thing when we start looking at this wide receiver two range. I have Michael Pittman ahead of him. I trust Matt Ryan more, and I think their target share opportunity and talent profiles are similar. I will take Terry McLaurin ahead of him. I think Carson wants to be the best quarterback DJ Moore has played with somehow. I would take Mike Williams ahead of him. I would put DJ Moore at wide receiver 16 ahead of Metcalf. Ahead of Deontay Johnson, I'm more worried about Pickens slash Claypool and some of those other guys ahead of Jalen Waddle, ahead of Marquise Brown, even ahead of the Broncos. So I'm not out on DJ Moore. I think that's about where he's going on underdog. But where,
1: where does that put him for you?
0: Wide receiver, receiver,
1: okay. 16. Yeah. So I mean, I have him 17 right now. But I'm with you. I've got you know, I've got Waddle, Mike Williams, Marquise Brown, all ahead of DJ Moore at this point. Like I, I moved. Mike Williams and Marquise Brown above him. Um, I've got Deontay Johnson and Terry McLaurin right there with him. I mean, that's the tier for me. It's DJ, Deontay, Terry, DK Metcalf. I think every analyst you talk to is probably going to put that four in some different order, but they're all really battling the same damn thing. And I I agree with you. I think you can make the argument, you know, that Terry, you know, out of that group, like we probably know more about Carson Wentz than, you know, what we could get out of the other guy's quarterbacks. Um, They're all, the, the bottom line is all hyper talented receivers that, like think if they played on the Chargers or the Cowboys oh. or the Bucks oh my god like these guys would be gods but they're stuck in the absolute worst situations in the league not only you know from a standpoint of bad quarterback play and ADP like here are the ADPs for those quarterbacks 33 33 <laughs> like you that that means you're not doing anything 30 27 and 39, that's the minimum ADP for DK Metcalf, which I probably is Geno Smith at this point. Like, that's terrible. And guess what? Vegas thinks they are all terrible as well. The Panthers projected to win six games. The Steelers at seven and a half. Remember, this is a 17 game season now. So maybe not terrible, let's call that, but that's definitely below average. McLaurin at seven and a half, and DK Metcalf, you know, with the Seahawks projected at five and a half. And, you know, Rich Rebar threw something out on Twitter last week. You guys can go check it out. I've done some similar kind of research, but Rich came at it like from a different angle and actually went way further back. I think I had done it to like 2006 for all positions. Like, I just wanted to know, like, you know, okay, uh, basically correlating, you know, really good teams, like to, you know, performances. And, you know, what he basically showed is look, if you want to really have a good shot, like at a guy having that true wide receiver one boom season, they pretty much need to come from a good or at least an average team. They can't come from a team that we think is going to win six games, five games. Now, if the Panthers somehow find a way to surprise us and they win 10 games, great. But, I mean, I don't see how we're going to bet on that happening.
0: No, and I, the more we talk about it, I can see why you have Marquise Brown ahead of DJ Moore. I think I will probably make that move here. Pretty soon. And it takes us back to, I think, a a really useful conversation we just had in our Falcons preview about just taking Kyle Pitts ahead of this range of guys. Like, why take a risk on any one of these players when we see the glaring red flags when it's like, just take Kyle Pitts, and then one of them will probably still be there in round four. Like we have, yeah, I would rank Michael Pittman ahead of these guys, but if I can just get Terry McLaurin the next round and sign up for an elite tight end, I'm going to do that instead of reaching on DJ Moore. I'm not out on him, but it's impossible to prioritize him ahead of these guys.
1: I don't find myself, honestly really clicking a lot on any of these guys. Uh, McLaurin's the one I get the most and it's because he gets no respect whatsoever. Like his ADP on FFPC is 50 versus DJ Moore is six picks ahead. Deontay's eight picks ahead over on underdog. He's 22 overall at a receiver. DJ Moore goes at 16. Like there's no justification for DJ Moore being that far ahead of Terry McLaurin. I think they're all in the same tier. I would take equal exposure to all of them, all things being equal. But at ADP, like I'm for sure on Terry McLaurin over over the rest of the guys.
0: And even compared to some of the running backs, like the guy ADP-wise that you're looking at fading, if you are getting D.J. Moore, is going to be James Conner. But it's like, again, if you want to take Kyle Pitts and then go back to a running back, you're still going to have guys like Cam Akers, like Travis Etienne, that I think you could Brace argue. Brees Hall. Argue they even have similar upside to James Conner, particularly if we end up seeing Daryl Williams eating into that role a little bit. So here's so. a
1: good question, Ian. Like, Who, I think we know the floor. You have to give DJ Moore his floor because we've seen him do it with crappy teams, right? His absolute floor is probably a wide receiver three, assuming he's healthy, but we feel decent about him as a low-end wide receiver two as his floor. Um, But think. So Brees Hall, obviously, the floor could be different. He's a rookie. A lot of things could happen. But who has the bigger ceiling? Brees Hall or DJ Moore?
0: I think Brees.
1: I do, too, because what we just talked about, like, you, you can't, You're not going to be a top six receiver. You have no path there with these with these quarterbacks.
0: DJ Moore just got 163 targets. Like if it's not going to happen with that, when's it going to happen?
1: I know, know. and he's a badass man. We are not. This is again. This is nothing against DJ Moore. We love him. This is just you know the situation that you know he finds himself in, and I hope it gets better for him soon. Still, only going to be 25.4 years old this year, dude. It's it's just
0: it's one season after another with these Panthers. I mentioned 2020 and like, again, Teddy brought out a lot of good things, but even that wasn't enough for DJ Moore to be popping on all these studies about uncatchable target rates and what Kyle Allen did to Curtis Samuel and also DJ Moore in 2019. I mean, honestly, like should be considered illegal in my humble opinion. He, He
1: cost Curtis Samuel a lot of money. I know Samuel eventually, you know, ended up getting paid with Washington, but man, talk about like, being wide open in your quarterback, either a not seeing you or just completely missing you. I felt so bad for Curtis Samuel.
0: That like year. over the years, I put together a lot of these many highlights showing the open receivers and the overthrows. I did one for DJ Moore uh, last February. I have never put together a longer or more complete one than what Curtis Samuel had to deal with in 2019. <laughs> I mean, it just truly, I've never seen a player have like worse stats and just being able to immediately write them off with like 60, 70 seconds of film. Let's talk about the other guy. Unfortunately, not... Benefiting exactly from the quarterback play in Carolina, that is Robbie Anderson. Out-targeted DJ Moore in just one more game in 2020, 136-118. to 8, 118. I remember DJ was actually being used more as a field stretcher threat. Robbie getting more of the underneath stuff. Didn't really make sense then, but credit to Robbie for making do with it. Last year, DJ really took over as the true alpha, 163 targets, but Robbie still had 110. There's been some trade murmurs. Robbie is as cheap as they come right now. Do you think Robbie is worth a late round dart, Dwayne? Because even though he doesn't have like great upside, he's still just one year removed from a legit wide receiver to finish. And there have been enough trade talks to think that if we end up seeing Robbie go to Green Bay or go to one of these teams that maybe still need a wide receiver, I think he would be going higher in drafts than he is right now.
1: Yeah, I I like Robbie late, you know, um, and I know I'm not allowed to talk about this, but I'm just going to briefly put it in, especially when you have Buccaneers, you know, because you do get the week 17. And so, and he's an easy guy to get, like, at ADP. But even if you set all of that aside, I think Robbie's ADP is like, you know, it's kind of just a slap in the face at this (laughs) point. Like, he is a guy that we know can come through with a wide receiver three finish. Um, But again, like, bad quarterbacks, all that stuff aside, like, you know, I mean, he's going after guys, and I get it. Like, you know, you're betting on the come, right, on Michael Hardman, you know, hoping that, like, he's finally going to do it because he's with the Chiefs. You know, Jalen Tolbert goes ahead of him, but he gets to play with the Cowboys. Alec Pierce, we have the unknown because he's the rookie. So I get why some of these guys go ahead of him, but I think especially in best ball. Like Robbie Anderson is a really nice pick at the end of your draft because you know I don't want to pick the weeks I've got to stop that I've got to start Robbie like and redraft like I really don't want to be picking I don't mind having him on my roster for depth but in best ball like I absolutely love picking Robbie Anderson.
0: Again, you're drafting him right as floor. You're not going to turn around and be like, my God, if I had just not taken Robbie Anderson in round 14, like my <laughs> entire life and all my fantasy football dreams would have come true. I am with you there. Now Terrence Marshall who still seems to have some stands out there last year you know pretty decent preseason a lot of people were expecting big things got beat out by Brandon freaking Zylstra by the end of the season ended with a 52.9 PFF receiving grade. Joanne you did an article earlier this offseason looking at basically how rookies perform with this receiving grade and you know how many, accept, how many players basically can be this bad and then go ahead and turn it on in the future? I'm going to go ahead and read all the wide receivers that qualified with under a 65 receiving grade. Uh, this is another list that maybe is not safe for work. Terrence Williams, Marlon Brown, Tyler Boyd. Okay, there's one. Kendrell Tompkins, Kendrick Bourne, Will Fuller, Robert Woods, MVS, Michael Floyd, Adam Humphreys, Chester Rogers, Kenny Stills, Anthony Miller, Corey Davis, Allen Hearns, Deshaun Hamilton, Devontae Adams, Michael Gallup, D.D. Westbrook, Greg Little, Robbie Anderson, Zay Jones, James Washington, Nelson Aguilar. A couple more hits than I was maybe expecting, but even the hits weren't all that great. He has all the same offensive problems as Robbie and DJ Moore. and Dude, he got beat out by Brandon freaking Zilstra. Like, what more else do we need to say? I'm no offense to the Zilstra family. If you guys are listening to this, shout out Brandon Zilstra. Love you, man. But Brandon freaking Zilstra, come on! What are we doing here?
1: The biggest thing is Teresh Marshall was a second round pick, right? So to be behind, you know, someone that just hadn't have anywhere near like the capital, right, that the team had put in them, that definitely says a lot. And so to your point, most of those guys never recovered. Um, obviously there's some really good names on there, like a Devontae Adams. And that that's the one that people, I immediately get DMs about. They're <laughs> like, I saw, I saw. Uh, and I appreciate you guys' ability to see the positives. I really do. <laughs> that's the first thing that comes across. So Terrace Marshall's in the same tier as Devontae Adams. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just really hard to recover from being that bad. I mean, last year, target share of 5%, despite having a second round draft pick. Okay, great. Didn't get to play. They benched him some. Targets per route run 10%. Yards per route run, brace yourself, Ian, <laughs> 0. 0.5. Like, these, you know, these are really, really bad. Now, look, if you want to use your last pick in a draft on Terrace Marshall, you know, and just, you know, see if he can turn it around. He was a you're betting on his draft capital is all you're betting on it and his preseason. Last year, like in preseason, it looked like Terrace Marshall was just like gonna be pretty good. Now we did call out that a lot of those plays were kind of like broken plays. Like that PJ Walker touchdown pass, if oh, you remember yeah. that, and the preseason were basically like just like the corner and the linebacker both <laughs> forgot about they didn't even know Terrace Marshall was on the field, I don't think. Like so he was wide open for this big play. Um, you know, and you get in the regular season a lot of those things don't continue to happen. But I mean, look, I'm fine with him with a late, late dart. You know, if you want, just see what happens in the first couple weeks. You can cut him, but just don't get your hopes up. If you, if in Dynasty, if you have anyone offering you anything for Terrace Marshall, like just get it. Go get it.
0: And the other part that I'm, he did suffer a foot injury at the end of last season. So that's also not helping matters. I don't think it was super serious, but man, he was coming along as a rookie off a of foot injury as well. Like just not ideal for a wide receiver that. I don't think we were necessarily expecting to just win on pure speed and like route running ability to begin with. He's supposed to be this bigger body guy capable of, you know, providing some extra juice in the red zone. We have a starting quarterback that just threw nine touchdowns in 12 games last year. I just don't. Terrence Marshall, maybe he does lead the Panthers in receiving touchdowns. Uh, That could seriously be like three or four. Just ask DJ Moore, man. Final thing that we're going to do with these wide receivers. Just a funny stat. Shout out to uh, Russell Clay, I think was the first one that ever uh, figured this out. DJ Moore in 2019 had exactly 1215 total yards and four touchdowns. In 2020, DJ Moore had exactly 1215 total yards and four touchdowns. Last year, 1205 total yards, four touchdowns. So, Dwayne, I don't know what your projections say, but if DJ Moore is in between 1205 and 1215 yards with exactly four touchdowns, you're doing they're it well. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk. Yeah. Let's talk tight ends for maybe 30 seconds.
1: Just because we want to say Tommy Trembles.
0: Tommy trembles would have been in not maybe not in on tremble, but not completely out if they had not low key given Ian Thomas a three year 16.95 million dollar extension early on in the off season. Panthers tight ends ranked 31st in total targets in 2020. They were dead last in 2021. Usually we can't get behind two tight end systems anyway, particularly not when they're in literally the most tight end verse offense in the league. And that's not it's target share and total volume for these tight ends. There's nothing there. I like, Tremble's profile, like he showed, I think they game like a jet sweep a couple of times. Like he looked all right with a c- couple of his opportunities. Ian Thomas an isn't going for sure. Yeah. He's an athlete, but Ian Thomas is going nowhere, and they're not throwing the ball. We're out. Yeah,
1: there, there's nothing here. You know, anything that's going to come out of this tight end room would completely be waiver wire. But I, I don't think there's any. Even if you're in a twenty round best ball format, like over an FFPC um, where it's tight end premium. Even in that format, I'm not touching either of these tight ends.
0: I didn't even have either guy ranked uh, before. I <laughs> yeah, I, I threw him at the bottom of the list when I started doing my Panthers preview, but I could have easily left him unranked. Do not, don't draft them, even if there's a five. Yeah,
1: I have 35 tight ends ranked, and, and <clears throat> neither Panther tight end is in there. So once you make it past 35, my list automatically goes to your ranked 500th. So Tommy Trimble and um, Ian Thomas are tied at a rank of 500. I put with forward. with uh with uh let's see here, with uh Isaiah Likely, <laughs> with Joseph Degara, with uh James O'Shaughnessy, oh my um with Blake Jarwin free agent. <laughs> so yeah, they're they're not ranked high.
0: I'm going with forty one or forty two, but you know what? I'm, I might I them down. <laughs> That's to a big five. discrepancy
1: between me and you. <laughs>
0: I have them ranked over 440 spots higher than Mr. McFarland. All right, running through this offense. We spent way too much time on that tight end room. But Sam Darnold, Matt Corral, we are essentially out on them for the moment, particularly, uh, you know, we'll pay attention to see what Matt Corral can do. But just based on what we know about him as a prospect and just this overall offensive environment, it's really tough to be optimistic. Christian McCaffrey, definitely our RB2. The only question is do we want to take him at number two overall versus number five, maybe even just number one. Either way, spare us. For the love of God, spare us the idea that he's simply going to walk on the field and get hurt. I am knocking on wood. As I say that, please don't get hurt. We love watching you play, Christian McCaffrey. If that does happen, maybe you should be using a late-round pick on Deontay Foreman, who at the moment profiles as the better handcuff ahead of Chuba Hubbard. Wide receiver, DJ Moore. Firmly there in the wide receiver two mix. He's a fantastic player. We love DJ Moore. The guy cannot buy even a decent quarterback under center. Because of that, he has a wide receiver one profile. God treat him as a wide receiver two based on the quarterback. Robbie Anderson, fine enough late round dart. Terrence Marshall to a much lesser extent. And fade the shit out of these tight ends. Sound right, Dwayne?
1: Yes, that is really good. So, Girl Scout. Coming to the door, Ian, you only get to draft one fantasy team this season and you have picked two. Is it CMC or are you passing him? You only get one draft this whole season. Because a lot of people, this is a question I get, because a lot of people are like, hey, it's cool that you guys get to do 20 and spread it around or 50, (laughs) but I have one. So I'm going to try and incorporate this more because I ask myself the same thing.
0: Number two overall pick, I'm taking Christian McCaffrey.
1: I am too. I'm too. If I get one draft, I'm taking CMC too.
0: I'm with you. We're on the same page. Same page. Go. Great day to be great. Christian McCaffrey only behind Jonathan Taylor. Why the hell not? At Dwayne McFarland on Twitter, you can find his top 150 live on pff.com. I have all the team previews continuing to go out, and we will be back next week covering. I don't know what division is up next. AFC South. Uh, I mean, Where yeah. did them?
1: Where already did yeah, that. Yeah, no, we go to the- West, AFC, AFC West. AFC, yeah, AFC West.
0: Ooh, that's Liddy. Litty City, let's go.
1: Yeah, the whole thing's lit. Yep.
0: Lit. Love it. I don't know if we've ever said lit as much on this podcast If we have in the last <laughs> five seconds. Great ending for Dwayne. I and mean, thanks as always for tuning in to PFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Until next time, take care. Everybody. Mm-hmm.